Welcome to the fifth episode of Tukul Story with me, Janaki Broline. Before I take you to Sierra Leone today, let me begin by telling you the story of Elsa. I met Elsa, which by the way is not her real name, a few weeks ago. Like many Swedes, Elsa was active before the pandemic struck. She would join other 90-year-olds at her local gym for weekly aerobics classes. When the classes stopped in March and Elsa went into isolation, she kept up her physical training within the confines of her flat, helped by a popular aerobics instructor on her television screen. When I first met Elsa, she was perched at the edge of her hospital bed, only slightly breathless, dressed in an ill-fitting white hospital gown. She seemed quite unbothered by the fact that I was dressed in a plastic apron, with my facial features hidden behind a large plastic visor. I realised that she had been prepared by the images she'd seen in the newspapers and on television. For being 97, luckily, her hearing was good, and we struck up a conversation despite the physical infection control barriers. She told me, proudly, that she had been admitted to hospital only twice before, over half a century ago, on the two occasions when her daughters were born in hospital by caesarean sections. Elsa was one of the 16 patients I was looking after that week on the Covid ward at my Swedish provincial hospital. A week after Elsa told me her story, her condition deteriorated. She is now one of the 5,000 Covid-19 deaths that have occurred in Sweden so far. Average life expectancy in Sweden today is just over 80 years. Average life expectancy at birth in Sierra Leone, according to the latest WHO figures, is 54 years. And while that may sound shockingly low, it is in fact a significant improvement from 2009, when the corresponding figure was five years shorter, at only 49 years for Sierra Leonean women. Sweden where Elsa gave birth, and where even my own two daughters were born, has a maternal mortality rate today that is half of that in the UK. And Sweden is thereby one of the safest places in the world to give birth. The maternal mortality rates for Sierra Leone are, on the other hand, 200 times higher than in Sweden. That means that for every hundred babies born in Sierra Leone, one woman dies in childbirth. Of the babies born alive, one in every six dies before reaching the age of five. In a country where at least a third of children are undernourished in some way, infectious diseases, especially of the respiratory tract, are a leading cause of childhood death. and numbers of this and a similar kind have become all too familiar over the last few months, baffling numbers that make for bold, provocative headlines. But for all of us, wherever we are in the world, and however old or young we are, replacing the number with a face and a name suddenly transforms the statistic into a story. This is what I hope Tuchel's story will achieve one day, bringing together descriptions, words, experiences, 
from different places and different people to weave a story that we all can share. Monday, 9th of February, 2009. DMR. The paediatrics ward has been busy today. Two children, both suffering from very high fevers and seizures, were admitted today. Fitting with high fevers is a common presentation at the hospital and usually means severe malaria here. However, with only very basic diagnostic tests available, we can never be 100% sure so we are treating the children for both malaria as well as bacterial infections. Luckily, both malaria treatment as well as basic antibiotics are readily available at the hospital pharmacy. However, every little thing, from the intravenous line to needles and drugs, have to be paid for by the poor families. So it is not without careful consideration that we prescribe intravenous treatment, which is, of course, always significantly more expensive than tablets. With early impotent malaria treatment, however, most children so far have recovered quickly. Yet a third child was brought in because he was weak and had swollen feet. He is severely malnourished, a condition called kwashioko, which I thought I had only seen pictures of before. But when I saw him, I recognised the features as familiar. I'd seen children like him many times before, from a distance, at traffic light junctions in New Delhi. Treating him will be a challenge. I spent the afternoon in outpatients. I saw a few women in outpatients who specifically had asked to see me, the Indian lady doctor. Despite the language barrier, I find consulting women is often interesting. Being an outpatient is also full of surprises. The patients who come here are usually not acutely sick and often represent the more well-off section of Cambia, the ones that can afford to seek medical care, even when they are not suffering from an imminently life-threatening condition. One woman told me today that she had delivered nine babies and then confided that she did not want any more but when I advised her to go to the family planning clinic to get contraceptives, she said she would not because if she was seen doing that, she would get beaten up by her husband. Sadly, I was not surprised by the notion of domestic violence, but I was surprised by how simply she said it. Maybe it had taken her a lot of courage to come to me, but in that case she did not show it. I could not do much for her other than to listen to her for a while and hand out a stash of contraceptive pills. This evening there was no dinner because our cook, Charles, is still at the beach. So Pear and I went to the market, but there was very little to buy. We came back with a bag of rice, eggs and onions. I made egg-fried rice and we roasted some poppadoms, I had found a tin of tomatoes at one of the stalls and used this to make a tomato chutney. All in all, the simple meal was not bad. In fact, everyone seemed to love it. 
It reminded me of Sunday brunches when we were children and you made fried rice or chalk with leftover rice. I have now eaten the last of my Maltesers, which after repeated melting and cooling in the fridge now have the consistency of chewing gum. I still have a stash of Kit Kat left though for another treat later. Is it awful of me to treasure my chocolate treats? The malnourished child with the swollen belly has probably never even tasted any. I suddenly don't feel like writing anymore. Love you always. Janu.